0: Come, let us enter this space of hope and community. Come, let us enter this space with our sorrows, our joys, our passion and compassion. Come, let us enter this space with the stories of our ancestors, for their strength and wisdom beats in our hearts. Come into this space, present to each of the beloved companions who move beside us come into this space mindful that together we are building a future for generations yet to come come into this space and let us worship together these opening words by katie romano griffin they welcome all those who've gathered here on zoom this morning to take part in our sunday service Welcome to regular members of the congregation, to friends and visitors who are with us today, also to anyone who might be listening in via the podcast or watching on YouTube later on. For those who don't know me, my name's Jane Blackall and I'm Ministry Coordinator with Kensington Unitarians. If anyone's here for the first time today, we're especially glad to have you with us. Very warm welcome to you. Hope you find something of what you need in our gathering this morning feel free to hang around afterwards for a chat or drop us an email to say hello and introduce yourself. Or you might try coming along to one of our many other small group gatherings during the week to get to know us better in a more informal setting. If you're a regular here, thanks for all you do to welcome all those who come and an extra helping of gratitude to all those who are working so hard behind the scenes to keep the show on the road during these challenging times. As we always say, feel free to do what you need to do to be comfortable this hour. It's always lovely to see your faces in the gallery and to get a sense of our togetherness, but we know for some, it will be more comfortable to keep your camera mostly off, and that is definitely allowed. There'll be chances to join in as we go along, but no compulsion. You can definitely lurk with our blessing. And if you wanna get in touch later on, you know how to do that. This morning's service is titled Excess Baggage. In Friday's email, I said, we'd be reflecting on the baggage we might be carrying from our previous experiences of organized religion. And the ways in which it might be influencing perhaps curbing our ongoing spiritual journey whether we like it or not in fact i've now realized this is such a potentially enormous subject that we're going to need several services to tackle it so perhaps you can think of this as the first in a short mini-series today we're just setting the scene and i've invited a friend and colleague reverend robin Hanford, to help us get the ball rolling this morning before we go any further though i'm going to light our chalice as i do each time we gather this simple ritual connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists world over. And it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part. And the flame of this chalice symbol of our faith Connect us to all who've come before us, all who are part of our community today and all who are yet to come into being. May it serve as a reminder of our unity and connection across all time and space. So let's take a little moment to think of all those joys and concerns spoken and unspoken. those little windows into our shared human condition and the life of the world let's take them into an extended time of prayer and reflection now this is based on words by krista taves you might want to get comfortable first you might want to close your eyes focus on the candle perhaps there's a posture that will make you feel more prayerful whatever works for you whatever helps you get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together and to be fully present in this time and space we have made sacred. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. As we turn our attention now to the depths of this life, the cosmic mystery and wisdom that abides in all that is. We tune into your presence within us and amongst us. This morning we come together in prayer, even though some of us might struggle with what that means. We come together to stand before that which is greater than us, Although we might struggle to say what that is. And so we pray for those things that we struggle with in our everyday lives. For those conflicts we feel within ourselves and between us and those we love. And all those conflicts we're aware of out there in the world. We pray for guidance, for compassion, for the opening of a path. We pray too for those things that give us joy and hope each day. Those things we trust in, believe in, might make sacrifices for. These are gifts of grace. Perhaps we need not define them in order to savour them, rejoice in them, be thankful for them. We gather here this morning with all kinds of needs. Some face health problems and are in need of physical healing. Others are feeling worn down by all the challenges of this time we're living through. They're in need of healing of a different kind, emotional and spiritual. Some face family problems. Some are just weary with the struggles of life and seek assurance that this too will pass someday. Others face the anguish of making difficult decisions for themselves, their families and friends, and for the common good. For each of us, we speak the deepest prayers of our hearts in different ways, knowing that what it means for them to be answers will look different, feel different for each of us. So may we somehow, this morning, be met at the point of our differences and also in the places that we are one. All of the same breath of life that courses through all living things. May we hold in our hearts gratitude for all those things that bless us with their presence. Forgiveness for the ways in which we've turned from those blessings and the willingness to open ourselves anew to this beautiful and hurting world. And in a few moments of shared silence now, may our hearts speak inwardly all the prayers of our lives, our soul's greatest joys and deepest sorrows, our triumphs and our failures, our regrets and our fears, our disappointments and our losses, our hopes and our dreams. Spirit of life, God of all love. As this time of prayer comes to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves using our unique gifts in the service of love justice and peace amen it's time now to sing together our first hymn is an old favorite when our heart is in a holy place sung for us by the unitarian music society the words will appear on your screen so you can sing along you might prefer just to listen but either way we'll do our best to make sure you're all kept safely muted Impetus for today's service came from a recent quite lively discussion that took place on the UK Unitarian's Facebook group last month, 65 comments and counting as of last night. Judy Jerome, who is known to one or two of you, a Unitarian who lived in London until she moved overseas about 13 years ago, she posted in the group to say she'd noticed from afar the increasing numbers of Unitarian ministers over here in the UK were now choosing to wear dog collars. Uh, traditional clerical wear and she wanted to know why I think it's fair to say this was asked with a sense of it being something she didn't really approve of um, and certainly from the responses dog collars did seem to be something that stirred up strong opinions more generally my uh, ministry tutor and how reckons it's about 50 50 nowadays amongst unitarian ministers in the UK so those that do wear them and those that don't and my perception too is that it is on the rise but some people really don't like it Indeed, some reactions against this sort of clerical wear in Unitarianism are so strong uh, and apparently entrenched that it seems to me that they might be coming from a place that is somewhere beyond strictly reasoned objection to the practice. So I invited my uh, friend and colleague, Reverend Robin Hanford, who who made an excellent contribution to the discussion of dog collars on Facebook, to say a few words on the subject, both to tell us why he, as a freshly minted Unitarian minister, goes in for clerical wear in quite a big way, um, but also to air and address some of the common critiques of it that came up in that Facebook discussion. When I say Robin said a few words, uh, he said quite a few words. Once he got going, there was no stopping him. It's one of his favourite subjects. So I'm going to play an abridged version later in the service uh, where the sermon would usually go. I think it's well worth a listen for a perspective you perhaps wouldn't otherwise hear, probably not from me. You see no dog collar here this morning, but you might be surprised by some of the reasons he gives in favour of wearing it and all the whole shebang. However, this service is not primarily about fashion choices for the modern minister. You'll be pleased to hear. But I wanted to raise it as a talking point that's live and current in the wider Unitarian community and one which might help us to start thinking more broadly about an issue, a pattern, a phenomenon, which we Unitarians seem to run into all too frequently. I wonder if this business with the dog collars is an instance and an illustration of our tendency to sometimes get too caught up in our own religious baggage. The dog collar discussion made me think about how we Unitarians individually and collectively tend to engage with all those things which we might consider the trappings of more traditional religion, especially those things we might associate with more mainstream Christian churches. I'd say that we Unitarians can sometimes be a little bit reactive around them, a bit wary, a bit suspicious, in a way that often seems to stem from negative associations with our experiences of institutional religion in the past. If we associate religious symbols, religious attire, or certain aspects of religious language with churches that rejected us or treated us badly or promoted views we found unconscionable or required us to turn off our critical fac- faculties, well, it's quite understandable that we should have a bit of residual aversion to anything that reminds us of that. They might remind us of precisely what we came to Unitarianism to get away from. In short, Many Unitarians are carrying some pretty heavy baggage around religious matters. And I should say, I'm not really taking that lightly. For some of us, that that may amount to actual trauma. But I wonder, what is the cost to us, individually and collectively, of lugging all this heavy baggage around with us? What might we be missing out on due to all this resistance and reactivity, often quite unexamined, towards certain expressions of religion have we perhaps got some work to do to process some of those negative associations and see what gifts we might yet discover how might our onward spiritual journey be enriched by all that this process of re-examination might open up to us Today, I'm just tentatively introducing a big subject, but we're gonna come back to it from various angles over the coming months, looking at how we engage with traditional religious language, say, or symbols and rituals, and how perhaps in time, we might be able to gently set aside some of our baggage in order to reclaim some valuable traditions and truly make them our own. So we'll pause there for now and let's move in to a time of meditation, something slightly different to take us into the stillness today, an old Zen story that might be familiar to some of you. It kept coming to mind when I thought of this theme of excess baggage, and while it's usually told to make a slightly different point, I still wanted to share it with you today. So see what it brings up for you, baggage-wise or otherwise. The story will be followed by a few minutes of shared stillness, during which we'll have our virtual chalice on screen. And the silence will end with a familiar hymn tune from Abby and Jenny. But first, let's do again whatever we need to do to get comfortable. Maybe have a little wiggle, perhaps put your feet flat on the floor to help ground and steady yourself. Again, you might want to close your eyes. As I always say, the words, the images, the music, they're just an offering. Feel free to meditate in your own way during this time. So, the story. Once two Buddhist monks were on a journey to a distant monastery when they came to a river. There on the river bank sat a young woman. She asked, I beg you, could you carry me across? The current is ever so strong today and I'm afraid I might be swept away. The first monk remembered his vows never to touch or even look at a woman and so briskly, without even so much as a nod of acknowledgement, He crossed through the heavily flowing currents and soon reached the other side. The other monk, however, showed compassion. He bent down so the woman could climb on his back to cross the river. Although she was only slight, the current was indeed very strong and the rocky river bottom made it difficult to get across. When he reached the other side, he let the woman down and he went on his way. Some hours later, having journeyed a long way down the dusty road in silence, the first monk could no longer contain his anger at the second one for breaking their vows. He suddenly blurted out, how could you carry that woman? How could you even look at her? How could you touch her? You've put our reputation at stake. The other monk looked at his companion and smiled as he replied. I put that woman down way back there at the riverbank, but I see that you're still carrying her. So, as we move now into a time of shared stillness and silence, I invite you to ponder this story and what it brings up for you. You might ask yourself, what are you still carrying? What might it be time for you to put down? Either in relation to religious baggage or more generally any burdensome baggage in life. Are there long standing habits of thought, reactivity, aversion, which might be holding you back in some way? even limiting your true freedom, perhaps. What are you still carrying? What might it be time to lay down?
1: Uh... Mm-hmm.
2: Hello, Kensington Unitarians in Essex Church, and I am Robin Hanford, Reverend Robin Hanford now, Um, and I am joining you virtually for your Sunday service, at least for this part of it, from um, a very echoey, unfortunately, front room of my new manse in Hinkley where I've just joined the congregation um, Hinkley Unitarians, otherwise known as Hinkley Great Meeting, as their minister. And Jane has invited me to be part of this service to talk about uh, something that is quite dear to my heart, or, well, has become increasingly dear to my heart in the last few months, clerical dress. And when I got the invitation to talk about it, i thought i can actually do one better than that i can demonstrate it i can actually wear it and talk about it good multitasking there and this is i say it's multitasking of course it isn't i wear clerical dress every sunday um, in fact i go one better than that i wear a clerical collar most days I say clerical collar, this is this white thing around me, around my neck you can see here, Um, although this is a full style clerical collar. I don't wear these that often, I only usually wear these on a Sunday. Um, Usually I wear um, something called tab collars, and you can, I've got an example of one here, and it's a collar that is just this, is a usually a bit of piece of uh, white plastic or white cloth. And you just tuck it in one side of the top button on the collar um, and into the other. And there you have a very quick clerical collar to throw on in the morning. Um, you can't throw this on in the morning. Why do I wear it? I think there's a lot of misconceptions about why I wear it, Um, it's not to lord it over people as being superior, (laughs) I can't imagine myself being superior to anybody really, Um, it's for me part of a spiritual practice, Um, I am autistic and I often, well I tend to find myself withdrawing or at least wanting to withdraw from social situations. And when I'm wearing a clerical collar, I find that um, people come up to me and chat whether I'm wanting to withdraw or not. It kind of breaks down the barriers towards ministry in the world that I would put up for myself. Um, It gives people a license, I think, to talk to you. It identifies you in public as somebody who is there to minister and far from giving me a sense of superiority um, it often gives me a feeling of vulnerability Um, albeit that's a feeling of vulnerability that is rather productive and as a result of wearing a collar in public i have held deep and meaningful conversations with people on trains in pubs uh, on the street and i would not have had those conversations or those opportunities to minister to people's needs otherwise and in terms of this this full um worship garb why do i wear it i wear it for services because it gives a feeling of something special about it Worship should be special. It shouldn't be something I think we regard as simply ordinary or run-of-the-mill. I think the opportunity to engage with the divine in community is always special. And it's very serious. And I think for me it's part of how I get myself into that seriousness. I put on my gown my stole um which by the way is a symbol of being yoked it's a um which means you how one would harness a um uh, a horse or uh, an ox to a plow it's um it's it's being harnessed to my responsibilities it's a um um it, it's not it's not a pompous things aware at all um Quite right, the opposite. It's um, it's a sign of burden, actually. We're carrying the needs of the congregation of those we minister to on our shoulders. That's what a stole kind of represents for me. Um, the It gives something special to worship. It adds to ritual and the aesthetics of worship. I think as Unitarians, we sometimes are a bit guilty of... Um, engaging with worship purely as a cerebral activity and worship definitely should be that it should encourage us to think Um, but i think it's more than that and ritual is a part of that and aesthetics how things look how things feel um, how things smell even there's so many senses that we don't really engage properly in worship and can be engaged and wearing something special something that has a a unique feel to it I think does engage people I think when people see me wearing this um, they know that they are here to worship and that it is serious that it is a serious thing that they have taken time to do as I have taken time to do to get all of this stuff on and very little of this actually is I call it a clerical dress, but anybody who is a preacher can get a preaching gown. It doesn't have to be an academic gown. You don't have to have a degree to get a standard preaching or what they call Geneva gown. Um the um I I've seen some lay people wear stoles. Personally, I'm not a fan of that because I think it represents that responsibility that ministers have. Um, But some ministers do allow lay people in their congregation to wear stoles. And if that's the case, I don't have much of a problem with that. Um, You know, there's there's things that people can wear to get themselves into the zone to lead worship and where people are called to do that. I would encourage them um i think sometimes people think that um i'm engaging in elitism by engaging with these traditions of um, clerical dress and um i don't think i am um because um i'm take my academic dress for example um i said this is for my first daughter two postgraduate qualifications Um, and I might be saying that in a way that sounds boastful I'm really saying it in a way that is um, out of stunned disbelief Um, I was told as a child that I would be lucky to get a single GCSE um, because of my dyslexia and my autism and
1: here I (laughs) am
2: being able to wear postgraduate academic dress and it's something that gives me that extra bit of confidence in the pulpit, something that I can just touch and feel midway through a sermon and think yes actually I I have every right to be saying what I think. Um, And it's also a sign that is traditional as well for unitarian clergy unitarians have valued the transformative power of education we've one of the reasons why we have a professional ministry that is set apart from the laity and by set apart i don't mean set above very definitely not um but one of the reasons why we made the decision to have clergy set apart from the laity was actually to give them time to educate themselves in theological matters because if you want to spend your sunday listening to a sermon well i want to spend my sunday listening to a sermon who of somebody speaking truth um, of somebody who has spent time um, researching and questioning their convictions and academia is a good way of doing that. Um, any difficulties with elitism and accessibility for academia is about government policy. It, the, the, the blame for that um, perception, sometimes quite accurate, of elitism in academia can't be put on bits of cloth. Um, this doesn't have political agency. Um, we do we can find meanings in tradition in what we wear um, as I do, and I find a deep sense of motivation in this and a connection to God that enables me to lead worship more fully, but also be present in my community wherever I am just going down the shops, um, or opening up the church, I can be present and vulnerably visible as somebody who is able to provide ministry for those who want it. I literally wear an invitation to talk, um, around my neck and doing so is a huge privilege and really scary. Um, But it keeps me on my toes. It leads to interesting conversations. For me, it keeps things fresh. So that is a little bit about why I wear what I wear. I think some of the misconceptions about what people might think. Um, And also just an introduction to what it is. So anyway, I hope you've enjoyed it and I'll pass back to Jane to continue with your service.
1: Thank you.
0: Well, thanks to Robin for sharing his love of clerical wear with us and also for explaining his own very particular and personal take on how it enables him to connect more deeply with his purpose and with people out and about on the streets of Hinckley, helping him to do his ministry out in the world. As I said, this is just one example of something which we Unitarians might have a bit of a reaction to and that we might have a bit of baggage about, but perhaps we should think again about what we're missing out on if we reject it entirely. There's a phrase I've picked up from a wise teacher who says, with any choice we make in life, we can perhaps ask ourselves, what does this open up and what does it close down? And Robin's done a great job of telling us what clerical wear opens up for him. We'll explore a few more baggage lading topics in the coming months and see what else perhaps we might be able to open up, re-examine, maybe even reclaim. So let's sing again now. This is not a terribly well-known one but knowing that there was a hymn with the word baggage in the title how could I not choose it this morning? This is Leave Behind Your Bags and Baggage performed by the Unitarian Music Society. Now editorial note I want to put it on record that the second line throw all caution to the air is not one I fully endorse during a pandemic. Bear that in mind as usual we'll try and make sure you all stay muted so please have a go at singing along at home if you can. So just a few announcements this morning, thanks of course to Robin for his reflection, to Abby and Jenny for our really lovely music today, to Janine for co-hosting, we're going to have virtual coffee time after the service as usual so feel free to stay and chat if you'd like, if that's not your thing as I said at the start do get in touch via email if you'd like to say hello or come along to one of our other many events, if you can bear to hang around we'd like to take a group photo after the closing music. Our online program continues. We have coffee morning, as usual, at 10.30 on Tuesday. Um, There are still a few spaces left for our heart and soul spiritual gatherings on the theme of learning. Uh, Even if you've never been before, it's never too late to start. That's a particularly good place to get to know people. There's one at seven o'clock tonight and one on Friday. This congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday morning, so we encourage you to keep in touch with each other, drop each other a line. Let's look out for each other as best we can. Next Sunday morning, we'll be back on Zoom at 10.30 as usual, when our very own David Carter will be co-leading the service on feminine images of God, something to look forward to there. And there'll be an online gathering of the West London Green Spirit Group for IMOC on the 1st of February. I think that's at 7 o'clock. More information next week. If you fancy an in-person gathering, there'll be a new addition to our programme. Next Sunday afternoon at 1, Heidi Ferried and John Hans are offering music and meditation over at the church we're planning another Sunday morning hybrid service on 13th of February. So save the date for that and cross your fingers that our installation of the new sound system goes well this week, Quite a lot hinging on that. So we've just got our closing words and closing music now. I invite you once again to select gallery views so that we can all see each other and get a sense of our community, we close. Our time of worship now draws to a close. May what we have found here of truth and beauty, insight and challenge, love and comfort, remain with us as we go our separate ways. And may the blessing of this time together light our way through the week ahead, calling from us the strength and courage that we may need to meet the days to come. Amen.